right, in your Bibles, turn in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3. This has become our series scripture. I really believe that this is going to be a scripture that we lean on throughout the year. It's a, it's a common passage. It's something that I've heard a lot of sermons preached on. It's a scripture that I've heard referenced often throughout uh, just my tenure and listen, listening to people preach. Ephesians 3.20, it says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. And most of the time, I will hear that passage in the midst of a message. I'll hear it in the midst of an exhortation of encouragement. I will hear this passage from the pulpit, from a preacher, from an encourager, from a motivator, and they will stop right there. I myself have done it, just trying to, to spark what God has placed inside of you and we really want to hone in in this series that that's not where this verse stops. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works. Yay. God's got some stuff that he wants to work on. It's not all just excitement and inspiration. Sometimes it's about the daily, the discipline. And even the division within our own soul, according to the power that works, to him be glory in the church. I want you to notice in this passage, to him who is able, to him be the glory. It's all about him. Everything that God wants to do in your life, through your life, it's all about him. This is a personal conviction. It's my personal translation, okay? This is between me and the Holy Spirit. If I'm wrong, so help me, God. I believe that I'm right in this conviction. I actually have a personal conviction that if God's not going to receive the glory, then I may not see some of his ability. In other words, the only way that I'm going to see the fullness of God's ability in my life is when he is able to receive all the glory through my life. To him who is able, to him be the glory. Last week we took this scripture and we used it as an opportunity to, opportunity to examine authentic, genuine faith versus counterfeit faith. Counterfeit faith, which would be like a false sense of confidence in a God that you're not really serving, in salvation that you're not really living out. Versus genuine relationship with Jesus that is evident in the fruitful life of devotion and surrender to him every day in every way. Not that you're going to be perfect, but in him you are in the process of being made perfect. And we examine the difference between the counterfeit and the genuine. And I told you this, I, got, I said, God will teach us to work. God will teach us to work. We see it in this passage, according to the power that works. You can do a word study on the word work in scripture. It shows up incessantly more often than I wish that it would have. But it's part of what God wants to do in your life. God will teach us to work. This past Wednesday night, uh, we've been going through our values on Wednesday night. and We're talking about operating in integrity. And I said that there's some things that Jesus wants to deliver us out of. Like there's some addictions, there's some bondage, there's some bad habits, there's some lack of discipline, there's some sin. 
right, that we can't set ourselves free of, that we can't save ourselves from. And Jesus, only Jesus, can save us out of that Egyptian culture, out of that bondage, out of that slavery. It's all because of him. He wants to deliver us out of that. But then he wants to begin to develop within. Most of the people that I've met in my Christian walk, they are completely satisfied in being delivered out. And they get really disgruntled when God begins to try to develop within. And yet you can't know the one who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or think without including the power that works within. So just as much as he wants to deliver us out, he wants to develop within. And we really need to examine like we did last week. Are we really allowing God to do both of those? As we end a year, begin a new one, and we look forward to 2020, the year of perfect vision. For us, the year of implementation, the vision that God's been giving. We need to examine. If we're not allowing God to do both of those things in us, then we need to let him show us whether we're really in him or not. Or what part of our life may not be fully devoted to him? Galatians chapter 5, Paul says it this way. And most of the day today, I'm reading for the New Living Translation. It's a pretty good translation, just for those of you who wonder. It's it's easy to interpret. It's easy to read. um, It's easy for me to understand. It does loosely translate a few things. And so you need to be careful, not like taking any version, uh, because none of them are perfect, including King James. Anyway, so New Living Translation, because King James wasn't perfect. Anyway, so New Living, for you have been called to live in freedom. Like that's God's desire for you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Then you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. I don't know what shed is, but set you free. That's his desire. He has called you to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. In other words, your liberty does not give you a license. His grace does not mean that you get to continue to get away. Grace doesn't mean you get away with it. Grace is God's favor despite what you have gotten away with up to this point. Your liberty is not a license. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity to satisfy your sinful nature. No, like a good father always does, right? This is just good parenting. Like, don't just tell your kids what not to do. Tell them what to do instead. Like, give them something else to do. And then tell them what to do. And then when you tell them, say, and if you don't do this next time instead of what you did last time, I'm going to whip your butt worse. I mean, it's just good parenting. Come on, somebody. It's just good to let them know the direction that they shouldn't be going, but then then give them the direction that they should be going. And I, I believe that God does the same thing. The Bible says he chastises or he disciplines those whom he loves. And right here, we see an example. Don't do this. Instead, do this. Use your freedom to serve one another. Use your freedom to serve one another. 
uh, I was hesitant to even really share this story. I was also hesitant to make the video that we show that we're going to show you here in just a few minutes. But we did both. Um, I had this coach in in high school. He's my high school baseball coach. Um, I was 165 pounds soaking wet in high school, so so football probably wasn't going to be in my future. Um, although I played and I loved that game, I really wasn't as great as I thought I was. But that was a lot of things in in my life. So. Uh, God's still working on that, actually, <laughs> process of sanctification. I have not arrived, and yet I press on. So I was playing baseball, and, and I had this high school coach. His name's Dean Francis, and, and he, was, he was a tough guy to play for. Like, I can look back now and realize why he was the way that he was. Man, he was, he was tough to play for. I mean, he, he made us do things that, that no human being should probably have to. And I say that tongue-in-cheek because I know we got some people that have been through, like, legitimate boot camp in here. But I'm telling you, he could have made boot camp, y'all. He could have rode it. Like, I don't know if he could have gone through it, but he could have rode it and made you go through it. This was my high school baseball camp. We started in November preparing for our season in February, but we weren't hitting and throwing and, like, doing baseball stuff. No, he was just seeing who really wanted to be there. We would do this thing on the track where we would sprint the straightaways and jog the curbs. Whoever came up with that idea, I'm telling you right now, that was from the pit of Hades itself. You are not being used by God when you develop that idea. It was a miserable thing that we'd do. And I had this friend, and we were always going back and forth. He was always bigger than me. He was always better than me. And I was always trying to keep up. And so I'm trying to keep up with this guy as we're running around the track. And if you have a weak stomach, this may be a time for you to just la, la, la ever so softly. But we were running around the track. And he's on the inside, thank the Jesus. And I'm on the outside. And I'm trying to keep up. And he just begins to regurgitate. It's the best word I could think of. His, his daily bread. And... <laughs> That's funny. I didn't say that in first service. <laughs> and, but here's the thing. Like, like, he didn't, like, stop running like a normal person. He just kept running. Oh, and he was running. And then he, he's still running. He wipes his mouth. He looks at me. And he's like, ah, and he takes off again. Like, what is wrong with this guy? So here I am, like, I still got all my stuff inside of me. I can't keep up, man. Like, you lost weight, now you run faster. I can't. It's not fair. And we would go through, I mean, it's just the beginning of all these things that we would do. And, and people were dropping like flies and like, baseball ain't worth all this, right? But what I didn't know is that I was being prepared for what was to come. As miserable as those days were. And we've got Division I athletes that, that attend this church and, and watch us online. And then we've got people that played ball professionally. So I actually, I tell this story more the older that I get because I like for my kids to know how cool I used to be. <laughs> but it was after my fifth year of college. And by the way, that's only supposed to take four. Uh, <laughs> but after my fifth year of college, we just played our last baseball game. I was a little discouraged. Uh, I knew that there was some stuff coming and, and some possibilities and options in the air, but I didn't know exactly what they were. And, and I was back at LSU Shreveport, and I was in the weight room. Uh, I was supposed to take a break, but I was just, I don't know. I was in college, and I didn't have a job. Let's go lift weights. So I went, I went there, and my cell phone rang. 
And I can't even remember the guy's name now, but it was a GM for the Houston Astros called. My cell phone rang, and, and he talked about what they wanted to offer. And I made a verbal agreement there on the cell phone. And uh, not that I couldn't break it. If somebody else called me and offered me more money, I'm like, uh, no, I'm sorry. I just gave my word to, yeah, I'm in. But that didn't happen. And so I began to call my parents. And those were the first people I called. I called my dad, my stepdad, and my mom. And, and I began to let them know what was going on. And they were excited. The next person I called was Dean Francis. And he answered the phone, hello. He didn't recognize my number. I hadn't talked to him in four or five years, not because there was any bad blood. I just, he, had, he was still coaching, and I was off in college, and da-da-da-da, and I called him. I said, hey, coach, this is Chris Fries. You could hear in his voice, like, hey, you know, like, what do you want? <laughs> and he didn't feel that way, probably, but I said, coach, I, I just want to let you know, and I told him the whole story, and I said, man, listen, I just wanted you to know that if it weren't for you, I would have never made it this far. Like, you taught me how to work at a level and a capacity that I didn't even know I could, much less that I would need in order to not just play here but to go on. And, and I just wanted to call you and say thank you because I know that I was a thorn in your flesh <laughs> for a time there. But, man, it was worth it for me. Now we're going to go on and da 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 And he celebrated that moment. Why do I say that? Because I believe that Coach Francis taught me the same thing that God wants to teach you. That with endurance in your spiritual walk comes great reward. With endurance and with discipline. And when you add your best to God's ability, some great reward and some great fruit is produced. Where he begins to reveal to you some of the exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask according to the power that works. And guys, I, when I was younger, even younger, uh, I hated work. Like, I like to work out. I just didn't like to work outside. Come on, somebody, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, just, I just didn't like it. I mean, it just didn't, me and that didn't flow. Like, things were biting me and stuff was coming out of my body. I didn't lie. Like, I keep my stuff in my body, you know. And my parents wanted me to mow the yard. Like, God, what terrible parents. What is wrong with you? Like, would you mow the yard? No, you mow the yard. Like, okay, so there was this one time I stepped at, no, there was about a thousand hundred times. It's not even a word. It's how messed up I am over it. I would go out and my stepdad made me mow the yard. And, and this one time I was really mad. You know, I was an adolescent, so I was way bigger than my pant size, you know, in my own mind. And, and I was, I had a, I had a self-propelled lawnmower. He had a self-propelled lawnmower that, that I would use, but I was so mad. I, was, I wasn't even using self-propelled. I was just walking it out, you know. And, and I thought that the lawnmower was loud enough that my parents couldn't hear me. <laughs> Problem is, when you're mowing downhill and screaming uphill, the sound waves go to people that they weren't intended for. And my stepdad heard me. Y'all, I can't, I can't tell you what I was saying. All I can tell you is that I was saying words they didn't know I knew at that point. And, and, and this, I'm not justifying dirty language. Like, it's in the Bible. Don't do that. <laughs> but I was in that moment. And so my stepdad had this brilliant idea that instead of coming out and getting on to me, he'd video it. And I'm, and I look up, and he's at the front door with the video camera. He loves to tell that story to this day. 
And the only reason I share it with you is, I don't know, it was funny and it has to do with work. So I just want to let y'all know that I'm an imperfect person serving a perfect God and he's still working some stuff out in me. That sometimes work, even though it's not what we want, it is necessary for where God wants to take us. You know what, I, I hate to see how much effort and energy and investment and emotion we as a people put into so many temporary things. I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't work hard for a living, that, that your job's not important. The Bible actually says, in whatever you do, in word or deed, do it with all of your heart as unto the Lord. Like that's, Those are very biblical things that we should do. But, but if you work all day and you come home and give your family your leftovers, like if you're working so much, and you get so busy that you don't have time to spend with God, friend, you are officially more busy than heaven ever intended for you to be. And we spend so much time and put so much effort and energy into so many things, promotions, success, acknowledgement, accolades, athletics, academics, all of these things that will die with us. And yet, when it comes to the more important things, when it comes to our family, we take it for granted. When it comes to our marriage, we let it fall apart. When it comes to our children, we expect to just be able to tell them and not have to train them. When it comes to our own spirit and our own soul, when it comes to our singleness in Christ and pursuing purity, not just waiting for marriage so that we think that marriage is the answer for our impurity, but really we're just taking more into an already impure atmosphere and expecting God to bless it. All of a sudden we make a covenant with God. We've been living out of covenant for the last 15 years, but now we make covenant with God and everything's supposed to be okay. No, you got to invest and you got to work, not just for what you want, but for what God wants. That's who he is. And that's what he wants to do in us. Here's the good news. We don't have to work alone. You see, the essence of Ephesians 3.20 is, is really... It's according to his power that works in us. And so our job is to surrender, to submit, to do what the Spirit says we should be doing. When I was, again, even younger, I'm going to hold on to that for like the next 35 years. No matter how many gray hairs I pluck, yes, I pluck the grays. They are still numerous enough for me to pluck at this moment. So I pull them. I can't keep up on the side and right here. But I can brush dark stuff in and you can't see them. So <laughs> when I was even younger, I was, I was stronger. Uh, like I could, I could bench press and, and throw a weight over my head that I can barely pick up off the floor now. But there was one of those moments where it was when Pastor Weston and I were friends it was before he started hitting on my sister. <laughs> so still, I'm still working that out. But it's, I like Camry and Kenley, so we let him stay around. It's, it's, I know he's important for them. I took him to the gym, and, and he had been to the gym with some other people, and I call those, they're the tappers. 
You know, like when you're trying to lift the weight, it's like this image. Could you throw the, the image back up? It's like when you're lifting the weight, somebody's over you. And this is like an image of what God wants to do. Like you're giving your best and he's pulling even harder or further than you would have been able to. Well, I was doing a one rep max. Like this is cool if you need help. But when you don't think you do, you don't want like the bar being tapped over and over again. And so I had, I remember, he said it was a larger weight than what I remember. I remember it being like right at 300 pounds. Again, I used to be really cool. And so I, I was benching this weight. I can't do that now. I, I can ask her. She's seen it. And so I, I was doing I was doing this weight, and I was like halfway up, and, and he was doing the tapper thing. And it wasn't his fault. Like, somebody has shown him that. I don't know who, and if you do that, don't. But if he was, and I was, in that moment, I said, don't touch it. It was like something manifested out of me in that moment. And apparently, it left an eternal mark on him because he reminded me this past Monday that I did that. To, that was like 10, ki- 10 years and two kids ago for him. And it's like still on his heart. He's still carrying it. But the point, the point of that whole thing, he's like, dude, you screamed at me. I'm like, no, bro, I strained at you. There's a difference. <laughs> I was struggling. And we do the same thing in our relationship with God. He sends people in, and and we try to cover it. We try to hide it. And we're not willing to admit that we got it. We can do this alone. And we try to fight off the help that God tries to give or the people that try to give it instead of allowing them to intervene, allowing him to intervene. Because we do not have to work alone. We do not have to work alone alone. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says it this way, therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed. (laughs) Thank you Paul for that confidence that you have in us. So now not only as in church on Sunday, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. So not only in front of everybody, but even more, we need an even more mentality when everybody else is not around. We don't need a, oh, I'm glad nobody's around mentality. We need an even more mentality when we're alone because that's what integrity is, doing the right thing when nobody else is looking. Even more, Paul says, in my absence, work out, my Lord. I just thought God was going to do it all for me. Well, you thought wrong. And somebody told you a biblical lie. Because Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Man, what a great day to invite your friend. This is like such a church growth inspirational message. Work out your salvation. That's what we do here in fear and trembling. And yet... It's biblical to work it out in fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you both to will and to work to him who is able. To him be the glory for his good pleasure. I took our staff guys we uh, exonerated Pastor Lydia from this process, gratefully. 
took our staff guys to uh, the gym this Monday, and we borrowed a camera to illustrate this point today. Enjoy. What's, uh, we had to film that video before Pastor Weston and I got any older because we you know, we're trying to take advantage of the strength that we still have left. And uh, Pastor John was such a good sport. What was even funnier is all the unseen things that we had uh, that weren't able to make the, the cut of the video. You know, stuff like the times that the camera wasn't on when we thought we were working out. We had to do it again. <laughs> It didn't look quite as cool as the first time <laughs> or when the bar kept rolling uh, when he was running through the scene because he couldn't stop it. And it just, <laughs> so we like run over there, just little cuts like when he climbed up to the top on the rope and it was, I was like, dude, you did it. I didn't, honestly, bro, I'm impressed. I didn't think you could do it. But then he came down too fast and the rope left its mark on his leg. <laughs> it was 
Awesome. Or when Pastor Dylan jumped up and grabbed the rings the first time, and again, the camera wasn't on, and he got down, and he has a bad shoulder right now. Like, we're hoping he doesn't have to have surgery right now. And I didn't know. Don't look at me like that. He did it. He's a grown man. He can make his own decisions. He jumped. He's like, no, I got it. I got it. And he jumps up again. And, and then all of a sudden, he turned into a little China man. It was flipping all over the place. It's crazy cool. What is the point of all that? Let me give you three, and I got to give it to you in seven minutes. Number one. No one can lift the weight for you. No one can lift the weight for you. Like, I, listen, I get it. There are things in life. Like, I could put a 300-pound bodybuilder on this stage and give them weight that looks really simple at first, but after long enough, we will all arrive in a place where the weight is too heavy for us to carry on our own. Here's the problem. No one can begin the journey for you. No one can lift the weight for you. Just like at the end of that video, that was doing none of us any good for us to lift the weight while he wiped his nose. It served no purpose whatsoever. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He never said, follow me and you won't have a weight. Follow me and you won't have a burden. Follow me and you will have no yoke. He said it's easy and he said it's light. He did not say you would not have one. We live in a time where too many people feel entitled to something they're not willing to invest in. We are not entitled. No one owes us anything. No one will give us anything. Even salvation can only be received in submission and surrender. There is nothing free in this world. Everybody paid for something. Everything was paid for by someone. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 14. I don't know how much more absolute it could get outside of this statement. If you do not carry your own cross, if you do not put forth your own effort and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. If you are not willing to deny yourself Take up your cross and follow Jesus. The difference between the counterfeit and the genuine. If you are not willing to do that, Jesus says you cannot be my disciple. But God, God will always intervene when our ability runs out. He will always intervene whenever we feel like we have lost control. You probably have. Just make sure that you're losing it in the only one that can actually regain it for you. Make sure that when you are giving your best, you're giving it in his name and not for yourself. I'm going to come back to this. Number two, you can't fake it. You can't fake it. You can't put on a facade it doesn't do anyone any good for you to try to pretend to be someone that you're not. For all those who understand this, you can't Judas your way through this thing. Judas was with Jesus for three years and attempted to be someone that he wasn't. Attempted to put on a facade, to, to wear the mask. And uh, although Jesus knew exactly who he was, all he had to do was confess 
All he had to do was be open and honest. But instead of confessing, he decided to conceal and compartmentalize. And eventually it led to his own destruction. You can't fake it. See, people don't really dislike Christianity. They dislike Christians, fake Christians, false Christians, people who say they believe one thing and yet they behave in another way. They say that they believe in the one who came not to be served but to serve, but they've spent their entire lives serving no one but themselves. You can't fake it. You've got to be honest. You've got to be open. You've got to confess. You've got to be real, authentic before God and people. Paul wrote it this way to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, work hard, work hard, so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Like, do your best in the name of Jesus. Don't be satisfied with less than what God has for you. Work hard to present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker. Don't be lazy. Don't be offensive. Don't be so offendable. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. He wrote it this way in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. And, and I mean in the biblical form of the word. Because love, according to Hollywood, is some kind of puppy dog feeling that you have when you first meet somebody. And if it runs out, then you run out too. But according to the word of God, it's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It is a commitment. It does not give up. It does not quit. It does not go out. Love does the exact opposite. When it gets the hardest, that is when love homes in the most. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Don't just say that you love them, show that you love them. I've, I've actually said out loud to myself and people around me, I get it. Thank you for your apology, but I don't need your apology. I need your adjustment. Like, I'm sorry is great. That starts the process. I can work with that. But if it's nothing more than words and you're just going to go back and do it again, at some point, I'm going to cut you off from being able to continue to hurt me in the same way over and over again. I'm sorry. I'm going to do it again tomorrow, but I'm sorry. Friend, that is not repentance. Repentance is I'm sorry. How can I make it right? Repentance is an apology with an adjustment along the way and then being willing to go back over and over, however many times you have to just to make sure that you never fake it you don't fake it to make it you faith it to make it there's a big difference between somebody who is walking as a fake and somebody who is walking in faith because a fake will always fall arrogance will always be exposed but authenticity honesty. God can use that. He can work with that. He won't leave you in that place if you'll be honest with him. Number three, this is my favorite one. You can make it. You can make it. The battle is not over and it belongs to the Lord. You can make it. Let me read you a scripture 
And I'm going to come back to the points. The Bible says in Luke chapter 23, this is after Jesus had been beaten and bruised and chastised for our punishment. It was after he had been sped upon and mocked. It was after a crown of thorns had been placed on his head and a robe of mocking righteousness had been laid upon his open wounds. He was carrying the cross up the hill of Golgotha. And I believe, I need to look this up between services. I don't want to sell you astray, but I believe if I, my memory serves me right and in fact check this, you can do it for me. I want to believe that that cross weighed approximately 300 pounds, like in modern day weight. It's, I know if you've ever tried to carry just 95 to 135 pounds for any distance whatsoever, that gets heavy really fast. I can't imagine what dragging a 300 pound cross would do to a physical body. Now you need to remember that Jesus was the only 200% being that ever lived. He was 100% God and yet 100% man. And he was carrying the cross in his humanity and burying the cross in his divinity. His humanity ran out of strength. And this is where this passage come into place. Verse 26, as they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming home from work. Happened to be coming home from the countryside. Probably ready to see his family probably feeling really good about the hard day effort that he had put in. And yet all of a sudden, his relaxation was interrupted. He was seized, the Bible says. They seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. He thought, this has got to be the worst moment of my life. I'm trying to get home to my family. I have worked hard today. We have come into a place where we are willing to put our best in for 40 hours a week. We're willing to put our best foot forward into temporary things. Listen, your job is not your identity. What you do for a living doesn't fulfill find you. It is a means to an end. It doesn't define you. It is a means to an end. The purpose of your life is ministry in the name of Jesus. The purpose of your life is salvation and sanctification. He did not come to be served, but to serve. And Simon stepped in in that moment as an image of what Jesus had already commanded. And he carried the cross of Jesus up the hill of Golgotha. Why? So that Jesus could get on the cross in front of all the world and pay for everybody's sin all at once. There are times in our lives where Jesus says, okay, now it's your turn to carry the cross. I've carried it thus far, but if you will carry it up the hill, you don't have to get on it. I'm going to do that part. Everybody's not going to be looking at you. You're going to be on the ground looking up with the rest of the world, and I'm going to use your obedience to win the soul of all mankind. If you will work in the name of Jesus, if you will put forth your best in his name, then he will do the rest to bring glory to his name. You can make it. You are not alone. You don't carry the weight alone. You don't walk the walk alone. If you will give your life to Jesus, if you will give him your effort, if you will give him your energy, if you will fight for what really matters, your marriage, your family, your friends, your children, your singleness, your purity. Fight for it. 
I came to prophesy to somebody today, you can make it. I came to prophesy to somebody that's been carrying a weight that seems too heavy for them to take another step. In the name of Jesus, you can make it. I came to prophesy to somebody today, you thought your marriage was forsaken and forgotten, but you can make it in the name of Jesus. You are the bride of Christ. You don't even need your spouse to get involved. If you'll just be Jesus in that house, then he will follow you as you follow him. She will turn as you turn, as you repent, your whole house household will repent and if he did it in scripture he can do it to you i came to tell somebody today that is facing a sickness or a disease that they thought they had already overcome i came to tell somebody today that doesn't feel like they can take another step or work another hour that they can put forth another ounce of energy in the same area i came to talk to the brokenhearted today to the one that is weary and heavy laden i came to talk to the one that feels like they are stuck in bondage over the same sin over and over and over again that they're addicted to things that they want to be delivered from i came to tell you today that in the name of jesus you can make it you can make it in him you can make it nobody can carry it for you You can't fake it, but if you will put your faith in him, you can make it. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. He said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. He said, I am in you and greater is he that is in you than anything in the world that could come up against you. You can make it, church, in him. You can make it. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning. As we fast and pray for 21 days to recalibrate and rejuvenate and set the trajectory for the next 344 days. Does God have your all? Does he have your best? Does he own your finances? Does he own your desires? Does he possess your heart? Is everything that you have there to give him all the glory? For every follower of Jesus, I'm asking you with your pastor, with your staff, examine your heart. See if there be anything in me, Lord. See if there be any wicked way. Purge it, God, with your fire. For anyone in here that does not know that they know him, this message, this word, Jesus' life is for you. Right now, if you need to receive salvation, I'm going to pray in 30 seconds. 
And if you want to be included in that prayer of confession, repentance, forgiveness, you want to accept Jesus as Lord, commit your life or recommit, really commit, whatever it is for you, you know that you need to give your life to Jesus today. Receive his salvation for his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If I'm talking to you in five seconds, lift your hand if you want to be included in that prayer right now, right now. Hands going up all over this sanctuary. If you're watching online, if you're watching at home, wherever you're watching from, lift your hand to heaven as an act of obedience. God, you already knew, but I'm confessing it. I'm acknowledging it. Come on, church, for everybody that lifted their hand and everybody that wasn't quite ready, we still believe that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So together we confess. Together we pray. Come on, let's lift our voice together. Jesus, forgive me where I fall short, where the weight gets too heavy for me to carry. Come in, take my life, make it yours. I believe you gave your life so that I could live. Thank you for bearing the cross. Now may I carry my own. May I follow you with all of my heart as long as I live. In Jesus' name.